Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Hi folks and welcome to another episode of Zompocalypse Now. I am Tim Harvey. And I am Nikki Kay. And Dustin Adair is off again this week. For those of you who follow the show know he has moved down to Texas, uh, not too terribly far from where Fear of the Walking Dead is being filmed, or has been filmed this season, Hmm. and I presume will be filmed next season as well. Um, And this week he is off, not so much for settling in, but for a little bit for technical issues. (laughs) Things happen. So um, we were kind of hoping that maybe we'd have like the three of us together on this episode, maybe for the rest of the season, but uh, at least for this episode, it's just Nikki and I. You might have him back for the th- in time for the finale. We just need all yeah. of the witches listening to put out those good vibes and um, maybe cast a couple spells so maybe he can find his mic. Yes, well. Um, so yeah, so this week on Fear of the Walking Dead, yeah, I have issues with this week's episode. Oh, no. I have many, many issues with this week's episode. <laughs> so one of the things that has come up a lot, um, and of course you don't have this context because of course you came in just watching a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. but there's this whole big blowback right now with a lot of the Walking Dead fans, uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead fans, uh, because Madison, who was the, the primarily the main character of the show for the first three seasons, um, got killed off halfway through this mm. season. And this has upset a lot of people. Now, I think Madison is a very problematic character. While on one hand, it's great to have this kind of show led by a strong female character. On the other hand, um, Madison's solution to everything was kill it. <laughs> and that meant everyone around her. And she made some very questionable decisions throughout the, or about the run of the show. Um, Kim Dickens, who is an amazing actress, did, did a fantastic job playing the part. Uh, But I have had issues with Madison as a character for a long time. So I have not necessarily been against what this season has done in terms of bringing Morgan over from the regular The Walking Dead show Mm -hmm. and bringing in John Dory and Al and June and, and having this kind of new dynamic. Dustin and I have defended this season quite a bit. Um, in the reviews we've done because we thought the new characters for the most part were very interesting the new dynamic was interesting Mm. Um, the clash of the show's overall philosophy for the first three seasons three and a half seasons with Morgan's try and make the world better uh, viewpoint Mm -hmm. Um, these things I thought were interesting and it hasn't always been perfect no but I have been able to justifiably defend what the show has been doing, I feel, mm-hmm. for most of this season. This episode, oh. however, oh, no. actually made me angry. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what basically upset me was that... Not not the way the show looked. The episode looked fine. I, I, this isn't like a bash on, on the direction of the episode or even the performances of the, of the actors. This is all about the writing and uh, maybe the editing a bit because there's a couple of jumpy portions of the episode that are real kind of jarring mm. and, and offer up all kinds of bizarre questions. Um, yeah. But the, but the writing on this episode made me angry uh, just because it's just, I mean, it's, it, it's sloppy in places. It's characters who are written to behave in ways that don't make the slightest bit of sense. And they don't come out in even remotely a good light. So we finally get our answer mm-hmm. to who this this dangerous woman is who's been going around killing the folks who've been leaving uh, the boxes, uh, the, the sort of the care packages along the road for people who need help. We have dark we hearts get, backstory. <laughs> we get uh, we get an explanation of who she is, and um, in short, there is a accident 
that doesn't make a lot of sense. It it kind of looks like she fucked it up. It it looks like she messed up her driving and this accident was in fact her fault. Yeah, which doesn't help the whole the whole walking dead women can't drive. I was about to say thing. I was about to say it was you know, then women drivers. Well, and I'm trying to figure out how this accident happened because as far as I can tell she aimed the car at a weak spot within the barrier. I think she tried to kill her husband because there's only other way that this makes any sense. Because it's a that that's a metal barrier that has impaled this poor guy. It seems like she caught the end of it. Yeah, I just I'm I'm very confused about this accident. And I went back and I watched the beginning of the episode a second time because I was looking for some sort of explanation as to, you know, how this happened. And it's not there and I'm, no. so I'm I'm confused about the logistics mm. but anyway you know he's he's got this thing jabbed through his chest and he's quite understandably noticing there's a lot of his blood is coming out and he's concerned about this he, he survives uh, for hours like this this goes and goes he's just steadily bleeding out so she's saying that you know someone's going to come along and help and and she's trying to reassure him and nobody comes and helps cars pass by they drive past her they drive around her she can't get anybody to stop and i i genuinely enjoyed her kind of strange performance um i couldn't tell if she just can't do convince uh, like trying to assure somebody without looking manipulative <laughs> or if we were supposed to take something away from her character but i i was trying to lean into the idea that this wasn't a horrible accident, that maybe somebody drove her into the other lane too far or she was trying to avoid um, something and and jerked the wheel at the absolute worst time. Um, But she's trying to reassure her husband the whole time and someone will stop, someone will help us and nobody comes to help. And... Even the walker will not help her. The walker that comes out and she has to kill it with a rake. She she is very... I couldn't tell, like, if this is really early in the Zompocalypse and she has seen walkers before, but it may be her first kill, or if this is, like, her first walker ever. Yeah, so that's, that's a very good question, and that is another one of my issues with this episode, because... Depending on when this happens, um, what happens next, where we basically get, watch her go to pieces, where he dies, and she's forced to kill him because he's turned, but then we get to this montage of her basically cracking up, but she stays in, like, the same geographical space. And it looks like it's all what, it's happening all through one night. She is just destroying her mind over the period of one night and one campfire with like three logs the the trigger for her her absolute loathing uh for these these good samaritans who come along and leave these boxes seems to be something that happens very very quickly after that when a semi pulls up next to the accident and uh, enough time has passed that this person obviously doesn't look over at the accident and go, let me see if there's somebody I can help. They look at it and go, oh, there's a dead walker. Mm-hmm. The walker has completely rotted away. When this happens versus when this truck arrives is a very good question because we're basically about three years into three-ish because the Walking Dead universe has a real problem with time frames. So if this happened at the beginning of the Zompocalypse, when did they start doing the care packages? And if it didn't, why did she seem so surprised by the state of the world? And her now that first reaction to the walker there is really kind of odd if it's like not new. So it's it's very vague yeah. as to when this event occurred. It's not it's really not clear if she just wasn't seeing him clearly when he comes around the bend and genuinely mistook him for uh, somebody walking down the road or if it's the surprise of oh my god that's a dead person coming for me the dead are not supposed to walk. I just 
When she came out of the woods to see the first Care Bear setting down their care package, I just, I heard Molly Grew's voice in my head screaming, Where have you been? Damn you! Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how she survived. If it's, if there's a, if there's a stretch of time here, what did she live off of? I mean, it's clearly meant to be like very, very quick. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, clearly not in a good place mentally, and she decides her solution is to kill this person. And uh, we well, we learn her name is Martha, mm-hmm. and she was an English teacher, and apparently using the language poorly gets you killed. Uh, yeah, she's <laughs> obsessed with words and their meanings and their conveyance. She is obsessed with telling people how they are allowed to use those words. She's just a very domineering personality. Uh, it's interesting. I, I, I know that it has problems, but I, I kind of enjoyed her mental breakdown because you can hear in the background her lamenting that she is not a good person. Her husband was a better person. He should be alive and she should not. And um, I think she was kind of always awful to be around. I think that was just maybe her personality. (laughs) And I think I would have liked to have seen more of that Mm -hmm. because it felt we got, we kind of got the bare bones and I understand there's, there's the time frame of the episode to consider and how many episodes in the season, et cetera, et cetera. But I would have appreciated more of her relationship with her husband to show that losing him would be the kind of trigger event mm-hmm. to cause her to deconstruct that much. I mean, um, I have for you know, with my own dealings with depression, I have an issue with how mental health is often portrayed in, in popular fiction. And I understand yeah. that there's shorthand image. It's a writing thing that you have to do. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we are, I understand that people people can be very fragile. There's no no question about that. The, the the breakdown that she goes through seems so rushed compared to because in some sense she's supposed to be like a contrast to Morgan. Mm-hmm. And the Walking Dead gave Morgan multiple episodes to show him as a. a the savior of Rick in the very first episode of the show. And then when they came back to him to show him disintegrated because he lost everything Mm -hmm. and then to watch him build back up again, they gave Morgan lots and lots of time to do that. Again, I understand the time issues with, with this kind of storytelling, but if she's meant to be a big contrast to Morgan, then some, to me anyway, it felt a little like we're very rushed into her mental state and it didn't, quite ring true to me her performance was fine yeah um but it was definitely a shortcut like they they yeah they streamlined it as much as they could and she deserves better than that if she is going to be our main antagonist a singular force of nature uh and she's supposed to be this line of not like you can sympathize and certain characters are shown to empathize with her point of view we, as an audience, and she's a character, deserve to have more time with her. The fact that we are left wondering about the timeline and we're left wondering about her genuine feelings is does her a dis, does the writer's intentions a disservice? She's been the primary antagonist of this arc of the show, and I don't know. Like I said, I think she's as in you know. Uh, the name of the actress is um, Tanya Pinkins, mm. and I think she's she's doing a fine job uh, for being uh, an enigmatic, interesting character that I think just got it was disappointing when they gave us her backstory because I wanted more out of her I, story. I was expecting way less, so I was kind of happy with what they chose to do because I mm-hmm. I was ex- I didn't know what they were going to try and I had prepared myself to be very disappointed so going from a sympathetic angle of mm-hmm. 
I was actually surprised at how much time they actually spent with her. I was expecting it to go even faster than what we got oh. because we spent so much time watching the same thing happen to her again and again. A car pat. She's she's in this in the car with her husband. She reassures him. She goes out. She stops a car. She is outside crying. She's in the car with her husband, reassuring her husband. She goes to wave down a car three times. And Mm -hmm. it's, if that's all we get, I'm happy for it. But I agree that it was too soon and it was too fast if, you know, they're going to burn this character out. She's going to be gone. You wasted her. She's so (laughs) good and you blew it. Well, then she moves on to to enact her her I don't even, I don't even want to say evil plan her, her just... misguided rage and revenge on the Care Bears for not magically appearing when she needed them. Now I do have to say that as as interesting as it was to kind of have this be this you know she's picking them off one by one systematically, yeah, you know, just you know taking these each victim and using the the pike the un and then just the undead version of of you know the undead undead to kill the next one and then use that one to kill the next one that's all kind of interesting except i had to ask how fast did this happen yeah because um i think that if i was part of a group of people who were traveling across a stretch of highway or large, you know, any kind of distance in trucks, leaving these boxes with connected by CB radio. I think I would be going, Hey guys, where did Bob go? Hey guys, what happened to Lisa? They, we know they know about her because she starts talking to one of them. We finally get to the end of the murder montage and She's like, I heard from one of your friends that the guy who runs this is Polar Bear. And and she's, you know, holding back the walker and threatening dude driver with it. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you jack shit, lady. I know what you're about. I'm like, then why do you keep letting her fucking kill you? Well, why aren't they traveling in groups? I mean, how hard can it be to have like a co-pilot? I mean, someone to watch your back. I mean, someone has to get on the radio and be like... I, a dude, I found Jason's truck. He's fucking dead. But this is, this is the hand wavy writing process that becomes a problem and is, is a large problem in this episode where it hasn't been since I've kind of come on. I, there's definitely have some notes where I was like, oh, so you just didn't care about this part. You're just, you know, going bloody, 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 and, and I'm supposed to follow along and, I mean, I I do that too, but I'm not running a show where we're supposed to take things seriously. And so they, when we left off last episode, she had come up uh, in Al's tank and had opened fire on them with the machine guns. How she is as adept with driving and firing vehicle-based weaponry is okay. Sure, whatever. But you know. Uh, everybody is banged up and knocked around and people have got, you know, things stabbed into them and scratches and stuff. You know, once again, pointing out that, you know, Strand should have been much more damaged falling down the side of a cliff. But anyway, um, everybody's okay. I mean, they're banged up and they're, and they're bruised and they're knocked about. And they get out and they have a conference because she's pulling back around, but she's out of ammo. So she can't fire again. Mm-hmm. And... So she gets out the back and... Tries to have a monologue off with Momo. Before this confrontation actually begins, when she's back on her her murder spree, she talks about... She she, she gets on the radio and she's looking for Polar Bear and she's calling out to him. And she ends up connecting with Morgan. And the implication of this scene is that she thinks Morgan is Polar Bear. And so that the reason that she's targeting Morgan is that she thinks he's responsible for all of this. And if, if I'm, unless I'm reading that wrong, that was the impression I got. So the fact that this is all based on a misunderstanding. So the first interaction we have with her is her voice on the radio. When Morgan finds this truck stop, which has all these supplies Mm. 
And so she says, so the, this is the overlap here. We see her side of oh, that conversation. I haven't seen this. Okay, that's You haven't seen that know. one. Yeah. So, so the, but the implication seems to be very strong that, that this is her, her enmity for Morgan is misplaced and that she doesn't even realize she's killed the original polar bear or that no, she, she didn't kill the original. No, polar bear. He, he died. You know, off, we, we saw him. Yeah. He, he died in a completely different. Right. Car. So I think that the implication, the implication seems to be that, that she is, she, this is misdirected rage. Although it was misdirected rage to begin with, mm-hmm. the desire to particularly target Morgan seems to be her not having heard him say, "My name is um, fucking Morgan." <laughs> yeah, initially. So, so that seems to be. I, actually, I liked that. I liked the fact that it seems to be based on a colossal, terrible misunderstanding. That I actually enjoyed because it's like that's crazy. I like it. So she gets out, and she's monologuing, and Morgan's monologuing, and people shoot at each other, and she gets shot with a shotgun. Uh, Daryl Mitchell's wheelchair is broken, so he basically has to shoot from a distance, but she's still wounded, and apparently she's also made of, you know, indestructibleness, because she's fine with getting shot. Most people are not fine with getting shot, just so you know. Well, she got, they, they said that she got shot with birdshot. Is that... Okay, yeah, it's not, I mean, this is not immediately fatal, but, I mean, she's, yeah, they all just kind of stand around at that point. Nobody sits there and goes, oh, just shoot her again? Yeah, um, like, like, Al is like, I'm going to go for my knife, and she, she loses her knife, and then, I guess, it stops being a thing that she really wants to do. So she also just kind of stands around. <laughs> that whole scene was very odd, because they're all just, like, talking to her, as opposed to, this person just tried to kill us. Could maybe we should at least um, I don't know rush her, <laughs> get get her away from the tank because you know our vehicle's kind of totaled right now. And In fact, our a vehicle is two seconds from exploding. Yeah, and of course all their stuff is inside there, and Jim is very upset because all his beer things are there, um, and and they're kind of upset, of course, because this is their transportation, and all these walkers are being they've been drawn to the noise because of course suddenly all the walkers come out of the woodwork apparently this entire area was just teeming with them because it's like there's dozens of them popping out of the woodwork they're swarming yeah then she gets into her car and she she gets into al's truck rather it's not her car it's al's car and then star wipe how do they get away fuck if we know change the scene yeah so they're so they're Oh God! So yes, so they so they start walking away, right? Here's where things start to go off the rails for me, because everyone reacts as if the only person who can make a decision is Morgan. It's so frustrating. I wanted it. It, it just all episode long, and it and it's kind of framed like maybe it's beer batter that's pushing it. And everyone's just like, no, he can figure it out, okay? He's he's good. All of these people have survived this long. The only person who has even a kind of hand-wavy, dumb uh, excuse for not acting with more sense is Jim, if we take his his story of having basically been holed up in his brewery for the last three years as 100% true, as opposed to him just, Mm. you know, going, you know, not, not going into specifics of his three years, but all of these people have survived. They've all had to make decisions on their own and as part of a group, but all of a sudden, all they're like, gee, Mr. Morgan, tell us how we're going to get out of this one. And, it's like, okay, and they're walking down the road, and the the walkers are coming, stumbling along, and they're staying ahead of the walkers. Yep. And, and they see this sign for a hospital. And my first thought was, oh, God, we're going to find a hospital in the middle of nowhere, like people build hospitals. But then it gets worse, because we find out the hospital is in the middle of a city, and that's a whole separate issue. And they just get in there. There's just, it's again, it's the yada, 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 they're in the hospital. So he, we've established in the course of both shows 
that cities are very dangerous places to be because, of course, we keep a lot of our people in cities. And so there's a lot of dead people in cities walking about trying to eat you. And this hospital is not on the outskirts of the city. They get on the roof later in the episode and they look around and there's buildings all around them. We're hand-waving past the fact that they got there at all. Because and there's walkers everywhere from, we look down and there's like walkers all over the place. And somehow they all made it in just fine. Yeah, and these aren't, the, these aren't the walkers that are part of the swarm. They're just another bunch of walkers. I don't know. It's just, I was just, I'm looking at this going, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And once they get there, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated. I kept waiting for like interesting music to start playing and like pyramid head to show up because this hospital (laughs) is so silent Hill. And I mean, I'm, I'm okay. Yes. Three years have gone past and certainly maybe people tried to loot the hospital, but I'm looking at ceiling tiles that are out I'm looking at all this kind of level of of kind of just trash destroyed place that just seems real. I mean, from a production design standpoint, it looks really cool. But on a why does it look like this? What happened in this hospital? Why are so many ceiling tiles out? I'm so annoyed <laughs> by everybody's behavior at this point that I'm looking oh, at the God. ceiling tiles going, there shouldn't be that many ceiling tiles out, guys. I mean, oh my God. what is going on? Why? What, is, what happened in this hospital? I want the I, I want the story of what happened in this hospital because there's a whole lot of walkers trapped inside that hospital. I I think it's really telling of how since I don't know these characters, I bought into the idea that maybe these these this group of people would naturally divert to. It made a little sense that you know if Morgan's taking charge or or in fact being put in the hot seat by beer batter then he then it made sense for me since i don't know these characters that they would just kind of divert towards his directive but no one's arguing with him when he's making the decision to go higher and the zombies have become a rising flood akin to water rushing in because they just keep coming and coming and they're filling the stairwells and they're just trying to get higher and higher ground and nobody's arguing with Morgan. They're all deferring to him. And I don't know if it's just like the dynamic that they set up where beer batter has a hissy fit and blames everything on Morgan and then goes, you have to fix this. And no one says, Hey, how about you fix this? Since you... Oh, you can't? Okay, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, I wanted to strangle him. When I when we get to the end of this episode, I'm going to have a little party because I'm so glad of what happens to him. Yeah, yeah it's... Anyways. No, it's, it, I, could, I, I just... I was so frustrated at the fact that these are... To make it this far in the world... In this world, you have to have at least some ability to survive on your own. And to somehow expect Morgan to just be the guy who comes along and makes everything okay. And only Morgan can come up with the plan. It's like, what happened to these folks' agency? Usually, usually it's used to describe female characters on shows with mm-hmm. you know, not having a sense of agency. Here is an equal opportunity. Nobody on this show has any agency of their own, apparently. They've all sacrificed no. at the altar of, of Morgan. And Morgan's look on Morgan's face is kind of like, uh, guys, um, a little he help here would be nice. He looks ready. He looks ready to just break down into tears by the end of this episode. I was so... You know what? Thinking about it, because it didn't hit me when I was watching it, but thinking about the first episode that I came in on with how great Jane and Al did just, you know, there was the part where they sit on their ass for several days and Jane, the person who was waiting, hoping that cowboy hat will come back and she'll get a hold of him. She's the one who goes, we have to fucking leave. We have no gas. We're running out of food. Unless I'm misremembering. I'm pretty sure. 
she's the one who floats the idea because I remember being very proud of her for realizing that herself. And this episode, it's like none of that ever happened because the second there is a dick with presence on screen, she is just orienting all of her... Well, okay, so it's interesting that because what happens with these characters is they all break down into a thing this episode. So June is the nurse. That's all she is this episode. She's just the nurse. Jim is just the one who is complaining. That's all he's doing. He has nothing else to do in this episode but complain. Sarah Sarah and Wendell are backstory. That's just, we need character stuff. Al asks how you got in the chair. And he says, well, when I was a kid, uh, a friend of mine was going to get run over in the street. And I pushed him out of the way and the car hit me. And I decided that I was going to, you know, she goes, that's when you thought, that's when you said, you know, you're going to stop helping people. And he says, no, that's when I said, I'm going to keep helping people. And I was like, okay, cool. That's great. The framing of this conversation is they were talking about Sharpie Lady Martha and he, Wendell expresses that he understands her point of view. And Alice like, why? Is it because you're in the chair? And um, Sarah... I actually like Sarah in this episode because she calls him brother and that just sticks the whole episode. And I don't know if it's come up in an earlier episode, but to my knowledge, it's the first time I've seen that. They, they, when we first meet them, they are, they call each other brother and sister. And the implication is that they are part of an adoptive family where, yeah, they are, mm -hmm. where they are, where they are, if, if nothing else. And again, it's, I don't think it's been spelled out. But they've at least adopted each other. Yes, if... it's very sweet. And I, I definitely liked it. And, like, Al is asking these questions. And Sarah's like, he doesn't have to fucking tell you anything. You always ask so many goddamn questions? Huh? Huh? <laughs> and it turns out that it wasn't losing his legs that gave, that made him give up on helping people. It was the fact that he was discriminated against within the marines he 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 had applied and got laughed out and what i assumed was that uh sarah was part of the recruitment like she was a model marine to the point where she was now being put out to help people recruit other people and she saw wendell being discriminated against despite his you know actual enthusiasm my issue here was not that someone sat there and told him look the requirements for being a marine involve you being more mobile than a wheelchair will allow but that the recruiter laughed at him because the implication it's not it's not that you know obviously Sarah wasn't the recruiter of the specific recruiter in question because he says the recruiter laughed him out of there. Mm-hmm. And so I would not have I mean I would sit there and say okay well look you know you're not going to be able to do the job as required because unfortunately you can't walk but the but at the same time there's a dignity involved with just you know human behavior and if the guy laughed him out of there, I could see that really upsetting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, justifiably. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It ended up being, and this is not a big deal. This is, in story-wise, this is not a big <laughs> deal. But it became, it was part of this larger picture of the episode where people just became, I mean, it, all this nitty, nitpicky story stuff ended up becoming bigger and bigger for me as the episode went along. It's just, there's so much vagueness. It's just, it, it, you're left, it tries to answer questions and it gives you more questions. And that's frustrating because it makes it feel like the writing isn't tight enough that they didn't think of how the audience, if they are a critical viewer, is going to react. Like one of the things that you're supposed to do with writing is it supposed to be self-contained you 
the the sign for me of good writing is that it conveys its intended purpose as concisely and as 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 effectively as possible and that's the weakness of this episode is so often because they're yada yadding through these how people get there how they get away why they're together they want to play with these really interesting ideas and they're doing it so sloppily in fairness to them and i will give mm-hmm. you know, this is this is my in fairness moment in fairness to the characters they are being you know assailed by by zombies all over the place so getting the whole info dump high detail information stuff isn't realistic in terms of the context of the story of what's happening to the characters that said <laughs> because it has happened the way it is yeah you're right i mean it feels it just doesn't feel like it was thought through in in who these characters are supposed to be because then when when sarah starts t- telling what little bit she gives in terms of information to al very little it's so abrupt and and that's fine that's fine in the context of where they are but it also feels like again we've got two episodes left um it feels like how are we going to you know we're that's that's what we're going to get we just don't have time to go back and fill in exact the exact timeline of sarah giving her career that she she had to fight for within the context that at least you've given me of how hard it was for women to be marines and i mean stigma like that just doesn't disappear it doesn't evaporate once you open the once you finally open the door it it hangs and so her being a female marine and it doesn't explain what bothers me is it doesn't explain why they're such garbage people now (laughs) no it doesn't explain that if he didn't want me to steal his truck why did he leave the keys in it oh yeah yeah it's sarah what what kind of i just (laughs) i mean i like her so much more in this episode because i'm starting to see that the trucker thing might be an affect she might just be playing a part and that makes the stilted part of it Mm. much more interesting sure i don't know if it's true but it lets me like not loathe her in every moment that she's in it. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Yeah, moving on. Beer batter tries, really genuinely tries to apologize to Momo for being a piece of goddamn shit. Unfortunately, he chose to do it in front of the zombie pile and his feelings anger the swarm into action and they get enough power to actually rip through the barricade and the flood begins and they start climbing higher and higher. Beer batter's like, this is all your fucking fault. Morgan, it's all your fault. I know. Just complete, complete heel face. Oh, I wanted to fucking reach through the screen and break his neck. <laughs> I and know. I so know. They, they go higher and higher and higher, and they all split up because they have to, like, check. They're on the top floor. They have to check the stairs. They have to get the elevators running. Everybody's broken off from one another. And Al and Sarah are together, and I kind of ship them because they were cute in this episode. And... Hmm. um. And Wendell and Lucy are together, and they systematically chose as a group. I think I think if I remember correctly, it's Al who puts Morgan with Beer Battle. And I was like, why did you do this? This isn't going to fix anything. And they have a little walker scene where three, three walkers, three walkers attack Morgan, and one walker get to beer better and I was just cheering in my seat like get him get it get him get him get him get him so sorry my mic is blown but I hate him I hate him so much it, he didn't die in this he had his first kill because the monster the zombies 
skull literally flops open in its big, shiny, weak point like a Zelda boss with a gigantic eyeball. Just punk! It's right there, and he finally gets the thing and stuck it on the fucking head. <laughs> He's so goddamn proud of himself. Oh. And I just want to give him a wedgie. He's so fucking... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that whole, uh, that whole Morgan scene. kicks, Morgan kicks three Walker's asses. Again, it comes, it comes back to the way the characters are written this episode. He's such a whiny little weasel here, and he's so, he's so very much a victim of, uh, uh, a self of, of self-inflicted wounds, but I mean, he's, uh. he's such a, he's got such a victim mentality, such a... Only, you know, I can't do anything for myself viewpoint. You have to fix it because you made it bad for me. And Morgan, I'm the only one who's getting hurt in this situation. And and so angry, I was so angry with the fact that Morgan is, like, letting all these characters do it to him. He never says anything. He's never like, hey, this is horseshit. It's like he thinks he deserves to be treated this absolutely god-awful. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. And it flies in the face of the character development of, of Morgan for all of his stuff on the regular The Walking Dead. And even the situation that drove him to leave the group in Alexandria and head west in the first place. He's built this back up and to act like he is somehow uniquely and solely solely responsible for the welfare of these people without any of them contributing on their own to to helping out in this situation apparently just doesn't make a damn bit of sense they'll do stuff once he tells them to do stuff well okay so not al al makes a decision on her own so the situation is is that they need to get power for the elevators because mm-hmm. the stairwells are full of walkers. Because apparently, the hospi- the people who were in the hospital before it was overrun, decided they were going to use the stairwells to dispose of the walkers. Which, from a purely tactical point of view, is incredibly stupid. So I hope they all got eight. But, um, <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just dumb. Um, it kind of implies that they did get eaten. It does, say, and then they died. <laughs> because it would have made much more sense to open to prop open the elevator doors and use the elevator shaft to dump them and keep the stairwells free. But hey, hopefully they all got eaten and and their story ended in tragedy. So, so they got to get the elevators going. And apparently, three years after the fact. The generator is still going to be usable. Now, I don't know a damn thing about hospital backup generators. I cannot say 100% or 5% or any percent whatsoever that this works. But for the, for the, for the context of the story, let's say it does. Al has to they go They want off. it to happen, therefore it happens. Yeah, so Al has to go off and fight her way through the zombie hordes to the generator. And she... She's sh- supposed... To- She's supposed to go with Sarah, but things are coming down to the wire, and she's like, eh, you just go off. No, I'll handle it. It's fine. And I... Yeah. Come back. You can blame it all on me. So she disappears at this point from the story, and we don't hear from her again, except that the generator comes back on and the elevators move. Now, I don't like it. From a I purely like from a purely 100% audience manipulation standpoint, this is dirty pool. This <laughs> is this is so manipulative and blatantly on the nose. You know, Al has disappeared from the story and it's like, what happened to Al? We don't know. She's strong. She'll find her way up to the roof. And it's like Mm, but what you're really pushing here is the idea that she's not going to. And then maybe next time we'll see Al, she'll be a walker. So this is this is a manipulative thing. It's a blatantly manipulative thing. It doesn't I, I don't I don't feel an actual threat for Al right now because it feels like we're expected to feel. Yeah. Like I just she's... don't trust it. I don't like it. <laughs> and I don't like that they're taking away my favorite character and and leaving me with beer batter. I mean, I know he has a ticking clock, and we'll get to that. But I still have to look at his face. 
yeah. and I don't get hers. And Whoa. we still don't have her backstory. There was an implication before she sends Sarah off that she she understands the importance of of there will be a last time when you get to see the person that you care about and you have to make every moment count and that she wants to give Sarah the chance to put that day off that she will get to have more time with Wendell and that you know that nice little moment is why I ship them but whatever and it's just, it's not enough, and I want her back. I want her back right now. <laughs> Give her back to me. I, I, I am going to predict that she survives. Um, I know. Because... I have to wait. Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately. So they make it to the, they, they make it to the roof, and they find mm-hmm. that um, uh, Jim did not... They're in a city get, somehow. They're in a city, <laughs> and yeah, they somehow managed to make it through all the walkers to get to the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. This doesn't make any sense, blah, blah, blah. Um... And they're looking around, they're like, how are we going to get down from here? And Jim's like, everything is terrible. And June's like, oh, it gets worse. And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, you got bit. And he's like, well, fix it. And she's like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. He you're you're screwed. Im- <laughs> he takes it remarkably well for having a goddamn fit for every little thing for the rest of the fucking episode. He, the fact that he is dying slowly and that he doesn't explode and start blaming every single person amazed me. How did he <laughs> find that kind of zen in him during this moment? It doesn't make any goddamn sense. And I hate his writing and I hate the writers for making me watch him act because I didn't like him in the other episodes either. He didn't add anything except for beer and... <laughs> I guess polar bear benefited from that anyway. So, so he, he takes it remarkably well. And then Jane goes over to Morgan and they have the worst conversation. And I wanted to knock her off of the fucking building for how she handles it. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, she's never, ever seen anybody being put in a in a position of power that they don't want because she just blames him lets him blame himself and then continues to put the responsibility entirely on his shoulders yeah i just don't i just don't understand i don't understand how these characters why they all suddenly lost the ability to to, to think for themselves. They need to be led. And it just, like, what is going on? The only character that comes into this, like, completely untethered, without any, with any an actual direction, is Lucy. Right? Because she just lost everybody in the storm. And she's just coming back. So it makes sense that she is, she's diverting to his leadership in the sense that she just doesn't have anything else. She might she might have the most excuse, but even she doesn't have a particularly great one because she's a much more capable person than yeah than yeah. This is the, the weakest. If they want to do something with his character, if they want to explore him being put in the leadership position and crumbling under it, I'm, it's not that that's not a bad plot, and that's not an interesting way of exploring a character. It's that you're doing it in a really shitty, badly written way, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this doesn't. This, this isn't. This isn't the way to do it. You're right. That would actually be a very interesting storyline to deal with for him, but this, not this way. So that's kind of where they leave. That's kind of where they leave our our heroes here. Is up on the roof. Jim is gonna die, and no one particularly is gonna miss him. And, you know, but he's not going to die fast. Yeah, they're so all, I'm sorry. They're, they're they're trapped up here and 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 you know, cliffhanger for their experience. Meanwhile, Alicia and Charlie, you know, they got to listen to the stuff on the radio. The whole the whole attack on the on the semi by the tank, mm-hmm. and so they find the semi, and it's all burnt out. And Charlie's like, "We have to find them." And Alicia's like, "Right, sure, okay." So they're going to have gone east. And Charlie's like, okay. And then after a while, after they've gone east for a while, Charlie's like, are you sure? And Alicia's like, uh, well, so I kind of lied. 
Um, we're not going to find them. They're probably dead, and we don't know where they are anyway. So I'm taking you to Galveston. And I'm going to take you to the worst beach trip ever. Yeah. Because I said so. The, the episode where Charlie and Alicia had their big hash out their emotional state thing, which is an episode I had a lot of trouble with uh, as well. Uh, but only because the, the amount of contrivance to get them into that situation was fairly ludicrous. Um, I've seen several people praise that episode. And I'm like, well, the performances were great. But the whole set, <laughs> the setup was was impossible. Um, literally impossible. Oh, uh, but... oh, so you mean this story has a problem about getting its characters in the situation that it wants the men? Both The Fear of the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead has a real hand of the writer arranging the dominoes, put the chess pieces in place, whatever game you want to use. You know, it's very much... Yada, 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 yada. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much a thing. So so she had basically... Charlie had... when Before her parents were killed, they had had a plan. They had, she'd never been to, to the ocean before, and her parents were going to take her. So this thing has stuck in her her mind as this this lost moment with her family is that this this trip this trip to the ocean this trip to the beach was mm-hmm. one of the last thing they they were talking about before her parents were killed and so in the episode with her and Alicia having their big throwdown uh emotionally um this is something that Alicia basically says okay envision the beach think about the ocean think about the beach and it actually was a was weird mice and men, I'm going to shoot the kid in the head moment, which that's the way it was playing out. That's not what happened, obviously. What? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole other thing. That's a, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, Whoa. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, very, it, was, it was a very odd, it was a very odd scene. But, um... That's so Alicia's Jesus Christ. Now, I've, I've, been to, I've been to Galveston Island. Um, and and the beach down there at Galveston, and it's a it's a great little it's a great little island. It's a great little beach. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's kind of a tourist town, um, but it's it's a it's a nice nice place. So at least it's a destination I could sit there and approve of. Um, but they're gonna you know, and and <laughs> and Charlie's kind of like um, really this is the goal is to get me to the beach. And Alicia's like I just want to get one thing. Okay, I want to do one nice thing. I want to have one thing that works. One thing that I can do for somebody. And Charlie's like, okay, 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 fair enough. And, they, and they're moving along. And, of course, they've lost the car at this point. They're on foot. And they come across this flooded area. Someplace where, you know, obviously with the, with the, with the storms and everything, um, maybe that's what it was or whatever it is. There's a reason there's this, there's this, there's this lake. And... Um, she's like, okay, hey, look, it's a beach. And you, you got me to the beach. And Alicia's like, well, okay, sure. This is and the shittiest Charlie... beach trip ever. <laughs> and then Charlie finds a hat. And that hat <gasps> looks awfully familiar. <gasps> and then... It's almost like it's a <gasps> cowboy hat. And then Charlie looks up and goes, Alicia, look. And Alicia says, what is it? Something like, you've got to be shitting me. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then it goes to black, but the implication is obvious, uh, especially because again, I'm, I, I kind of wish that there weren't previews because it <laughs> it clearly establishes that you know they're back together with with John and Strand and back together with them, which is great. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, of course, but uh, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where it's like, okay, really, we're going to go to black there as opposed to just, like, maybe showing them on the other side of the water going, hi, guys. Um, no, Tim, we don't have time. We have yeah, to get... Guess. It was such a shitty episode. We have to give them some reason to keep watching. Yes, I, I was just so frustrated by this episode. It was so... It was so poorly done. And like I said, I'm, I'm not knocking the direction of the episode. There's so many things... I mean, I don't know how much of this episode ended up on the cutting room floor in the edit... The episode looked good visually. It was interesting. Yes. The actors all played their parts well as they were written. It just—it yes. was the writing. The writing just was oh, oh god, <laughs> so lazy and contrived and out of character and frustratingly 
unfair to characters mm-hmm. and the fact that we just keep coming back to the same beats with the Care Bear crew and it's just the same thing over and over again. I don't know. It almost feels like a filler episode in a way where people are just saying, we, I, we need to get them to this point. So I have to write an episode where things happen. And it, it wasn't, it just, it felt, it was so awkwardly written. It was so, the character, the character development that happens here was so haphazard. If I, if this was the episode, if this would have been the first episode of the season, or the first episode post-Madison, I would have been, and I think Dustin would have been, much less forgiving of what this show has been doing for this season. Because this Mm -hmm. is an example, I think, of what, I think, a little unfairly, people have been complaining about with this season this is exact this is what you're not supposed to do with this show this is this does no this does no service to the idea of the con so god i don't even want to go into this major major thing here so i'm I'm going to touch on it super briefly morgan (laughs) is a contrast is it more the character of morgan is in many ways a deliberate contrast to the character of madison in how they view the world. And, I mean, they're both struggling, because I'm convinced that, you know, she was a sociopath. Um, and and Morgan is somebody who's emotionally damaged and, and deals with his own, his own mental demons. These two characters reacted to the post-apocalyptic world in very different ways. And for better or for worse, whether you agree with bringing Morgan onto the show or not... The two characters are a contrast. And it would have been, I think it would have been very interesting to have the two of them side by side to, to conflict with each other and, and, and work together. But that said, um, it doesn't do this, the character of Morgan any benefit here from, from a viewer standpoint. To, to derail what we've been establishing of this character for the entire season so far in making him what they put him through and with how he's reacting this episode. And it doesn't do mm-hmm. any of the other characters any service, especially, you know, certainly, you know, we can, we, can, we, can wave, we can wave away some of it when it comes to Lucy. We can wave away some of it when it comes to... Maybe a little bit to Al, but probably not because she was on her own. When we met Al, she was on her own. She should, you know, she's generally been a very capable character, and she at least, at least, she at least does a, a thing tonight. You know, I mean, she she goes off and she yeah. does the, um, you know, goes after the generator. But like I said, June is just there to be the medic. That's all she's there for. That's that's yeah. all. She, that's and and the new the other three characters are, are new enough. They kind of don't count in this. Except to just be, mm-hmm. you know, save us, save us, please, you know. And I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating. <laughs> and if, some, you know, like I said, defending the show this season, I cannot defend this episode at all. <laughs> no, no. I, you, uh, we started this conversation with you saying how angry you were. And I was like, why? It was an okay episode. And now we've gotten to the end and I'm furious. <laughs> but um, uh, on a different note, you're probably going to be furious at me. I've had my, the, I've had the wrong microphone recording this entire time. I have no idea how good the quality is. Ah, I'm so that's, sorry. That's okay. We can. I'll. We'll. We'll give it a. It'll. We'll make it work. We always do. Um, okay. I just. I'm sorry, you guys. My microphone's probably garbage. I didn't realize this nah, is well, a rookie mistake on my part. That's uh, okay. We'll. We'll. We'll make it work. We've had. We've had. We've had episodes where Dustin's air conditioner. We couldn't get it to turn off. Mm. It's it'll it'll be okay. I I've been watching the waves and I'm like, why is it spiking so much? I I'm not leaning into the mic and I'm I'm you know controlling my voice and it's because it's the microphone for my webcam and not my snowball. Yeah, it'll be it'll Whoops. be okay. We'll make it work. So okay. Anyway, anyway, this is like I said, frustrating episode. But we've got two more episodes left in the season. Um, we'll see where they go with it. So let us know how you feel, folks. Um, you can obviously find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. 
uh, we'd love it if you were to follow us there. If you are listening to us on iTunes or on podcast.com or wherever you're listening to us, you can rate us. You can leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. That kind of feedback is always useful. And, of course, ratings help other people find us on the various uh, podcast platforms. We'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now. And, Nikki, obviously I intend to have you back since we've gotten a trend here. We have to keep going. we only got two episodes left. We may be joined by Dustin. Maybe not. Yes, I'm hoping so. As always, we appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, and, Nikki, thank you so much for joining me tonight. <laughs> so. I enjoyed it so much. So. so we'll see you guys next week here on Zompocalypse Now. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. See you then. Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey. All rights reserved.